0: You're back on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Bringing in the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Streaming live on iHeart Radio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes shoot me an email the address is right now jimdolls at gmail.com or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750 that's 772-245-0750 for the vent line well we've chosen a winner in our coffee giveaway and uh we had the lovely Liz draw a name out of a uh, coffee jar and uh, we will be announcing that winner in the second half hour of today's show. I want to thank everybody for for uh, participating and uh, if you have already sent in your name and email address, um, we will re-enter your, uh, your name and next week's giveaway if you haven't Send me your name and email address on the uh, on the Twitter by direct message or at the email or voice uh, vent line, and you will be eligible for next week's giveaway. We'll announce the winner of this week's giveaway at the beginning of the second half hour of the show. I opened Friday's show talking about uh, we were going to uh, watch Friday Night Frights, this Netflix series, Dracula. And we watched episode two on Friday. It was sort of a letdown compared to episode one. Uh, It was not nearly as traumatizing as episode one. And I had screwed up my nerve to expect uh, an equally uh, scary uh, episode, but uh, it was not. It was the episode where Dracula is taking a ship uh, from Transylvania to, uh, to England. It wasn't nearly as is scary uh we'll go to episode three next friday they they previewed episode three and uh it i'm not going to do any spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it but uh it, it's a big shake up and are uh, looking forward to getting that over with you know what i've been sort of impressed by is we've been searching netflix and prime and youtube um tv trying to find sort of a an old fashioned drama um, or you know series that doesn't deal in just wild over the top themes, and I'm realizing that there's no more of those left. It'd be nice if uh, if somebody in Hollywood just made shows that concentrated on uh, a good story, well written, good dialogue. That didn't uh, go so far into uh, the abnormal, I guess I would uh, I would characterize it as. If you know uh, a, a good show that uh, you know deals with uh, themes of everyday life in a, a dramatic fashion, because everyday life, let's face it, uh, can be very dramatic. If you know of a, a series like that, uh, shoot it to me at the email address or on Twitter. So uh, Friday morning's uh, show aired right before the House managers wrapped up their their, uh, impeach-a-thon in the House of Representatives, and uh, we didn't cover it, so I guess I'll just start by saying it was nothing new. They they continued for another eight hours just repeating their unproven um, half-baked allegations again and again, and then Adam Schiff got up there and wrapped it up and almost left himself in tears appearing um, or appealing to the Senate to do their constitutional duty and remove this president of the United States because he asked about Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine. And by this time, the, the senators had had given up hearing anything new. Really, the truth of the matter is they, they made their entire case during the first half of the first day of presentations, and ever since then, they've just put it on a loop. They were even to the point where they were playing uh, video clips to make their case the f- fourth time. And the senators were, uh, were were not very happy at this prospect between uh you know the constant repetition and the insults that the house managers were flinging around at the senators calling them traitors and saying that they were treacherous and participating in a cover-up and uh, a lot of the senators uh, would get up and walk out and stay in the cloakroom for uh, long periods of time and uh and the people over at uh, cnn and msnbc were saying that that was you know uh, not living up to their responsibilities, well, basically, what the Senators had decided is they would rather risk jail than listen to the house manager's drone on and on. you know at the beginning of each of these uh these episodes these uh, uh days, the uh sergeant at arms would read a admonition that if they didn't stay in their seats. And listen that, that that they would be uh, subject to imprisonment. So basically, what happened was the senators had decided by uh, by the second day that they would rather risk jail <laughs> than listen to these house managers repeat themselves again and again and again. There was a guy over at uh, MSNBC who was very frustrated. I can't remember his name. He's, he's the guy that looks like a more feminized version of Rachel Maddow. What is his name? Uh, Maybe I'll think of it by the end of the clip, but, uh, here's what he had to say about the house managers and his frustration that they wouldn't sit there and listen to this thing again and again. Uh, here we go. Eclipse.
1: We also live in a country in which we ask every
0: citizen to serve on juries,
1: and in the situation which they're asked to do their civic duty and serve on juries, most of those people have other jobs. They have to
2: take leave from it. The trial goes for a long side. Often, they don't collect their paycheck from that. They are given a, a meager amount of money relative to what some of those people might make. And these people's
1: jobs is to do this. I mean, this is literally the job. If you find it too annoying or frustrating or uncomfortable to sit for eight hours and listen, you can resign tomorrow
2: and go get another job but like so that, this is your job
0: this is your job well guess what else uh, these the uh people in a courtroom don't have to suffer they don't have to suffer this endless repetition the judge after the second time that a, a prosecutor was making his case would cut the prosecutor off and say uh, this has either been asked or answered or uh, this is repetitive the defense uh, team would uh, object to repetition that the house managers weren't subject to rules of uh, courtroom procedure. They didn't have much of a case. It was all contained in a three-ring binder that was less than an inch thick. And uh, and they spent you know a, a, a good part of their case arguing that uh, the the Senate had the responsibility to call witnesses and evidence that they themselves failed to call for in the House of Representatives. But uh, by Saturday morning, the uh, president's attorneys got to make their case. And instead of uh, just exhausting the senators with uh, another long session, he, they made their case, uh, their opening argument, uh, in a little more than two hours. And, uh, and by, the, by the end of the two hours, the house manager's case lay in a heap of smoking ruin. <laughs> they just took it apart and showed it to be the farce it is and they did that uh, largely by pay- playing video clips that the house managers had not produced for the senators uh, the the house managers case was based on selective um cherry picking of the testimony before the house intelligence committee and the White House lawyers just destroyed it by showing the, uh, the senators as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. And one of the most devastating video clips was of, um, ambassador Sondland saying that, uh, you know, he, no one ever actually told him that, uh, invest, uh, that foreign aid to the Ukraine was tied to investigations. And he said it repeatedly, and the House hid that from the senators. And this is important because Sondland was actually their best witness. He, He was the best evidence that they had. And in the White House attorney's presentation, they showed him again and again saying that he had no direct evidence or direct knowledge that, well, I'll let you listen to the clip.
2: Okay. Well, you know, after you testified, Chairman Schiff ran out and gave a press conference and said he gets to impeach the President of the United States because of your testimony. And if you pull up CNN today, right now, their banner says Sondland ties Trump to withholding aid. Is that your testimony today, Mr. Ambassador Sondland, that you have evidence that Donald Trump tied the investigation to aid? Because I don't think you're saying that. I've said repeatedly. Congressman, I was presuming. I also said that President Trump... So no one told you, not just the President. Giuliani didn't tell you, Mulvaney didn't tell you, nobody, Pompeo didn't tell you, nobody else on this planet told you that Donald Trump was tying aid to these investigations. Is that correct? I think I already testified. No, answer the question. Is it correct? No one on this planet told you that Donald Trump was tying this aid to the investigations. Because if your answer is yes, then the chairman's wrong and the headline on CNN is wrong. No one on this planet told you that President Trump was tying aid to investigations. Yes or no? Yes. That,
0: that is their best evidence. They've got Sondland saying that he presumed that the president was tying aid to Ukraine to these investigations. And that is literally the House's best evidence. Now, a story was broken by the New York Times last night claiming that John Bolton in his new book, uh, that the president told John Bolton that he was going to continue to withhold aid until the Ukraine agreed to these investigations. But in this case, you're going to have to consider the source. The New York Times has made a habit again and again of using their newspaper to, uh, to further the, um, the, uh, the vendetta, the jihad against Donald Trump. And again and again, they have proved that they have, they, they're willing to twist the Testament or the, uh, the story to lie, to prevaricate. And I suspect that that's going to be the case here. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But uh this New York Times story that broke last night uh, was was timed for the uh for the opening of the White House attorney's case in in chief to try to knock them off of their uh their their um their defense. But again, you gotta you gotta consider this the New York Times that uh, that won a Pulitzer Prize for their coverage of the Russia hoax in which they told us for over two years that Donald Trump was conspiring and colluding with Vladimir Putin in the election and then had to uh, eat crow when it came out that Robert Mueller, after spending $40 million, was unable to prove that. Another of the uh, the major themes in the White House defense team was to uh, discredit the most discredited person in Washington, D.C., and that is Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff has been shown that he uh, has lied again and again <clears throat> trying to get Donald Trump. And here is uh, the president's attorney, Pat Sipleone. He is the chief White House counsel, pointing out uh, somebody that the that never was questioned as part of the House investigation. Just to follow up on what Mr. Philbin just told you,
1: do you know who else didn't show up in the Judiciary Committee to answer questions about his report in the way Ken Starr did in the Clinton impeachment? Ken Starr was subjected to cross-examination by the President's counsel. Do you know who didn't show up in the Judiciary Committee? Chairman Schiff, he did not show up he did not give chairman nadler the respect of appearing before his committee and answering questions from his committee he did send his staff but why didn't he show up another good question you should think about
0: Now, they've come here today. Well, I think we know why Adam Schiff didn't show up because he didn't want to subject himself to cross-examination by the Republican members of the House Judiciary Committee because he didn't want his coordination and collusion, if we can use that word, with him and his staff and the whistleblower that started this whole latest impeachment effort, which began the day after Robert Mueller testified before the House Judiciary Committee. And told everybody that he had no evidence that he could not prove that Donald Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin. Not Donald Trump, not a member of his staff, nobody in the United States. So yeah, Adam Schiff wasn't about to show up and uh, and defend his bogus report. He sent his, uh, his staffers over there who steadfastly refused to answer any questions about the the origins of this latest Ukraine hoax. Here's a, here's a a, 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 clip for you. It's sort of a walk down memory lane back when Adam Schiff was, uh, all over the TV lying during the Mueller investigation, claiming that he had proof that Donald Trump colluded it has been from chairman Schiff. And he has
3: been telling you things like what's in President Trump's head, what's in President Zelensky's head. It's all his interpretation of the facts and the evidence trying to pull inferences out of things. And there's a, another statement that Chairman Schiff made that I think we have on video. I but you sure admit that, it's uh, a
2: circum, all you have right now is a circumstantial case. Uh, actually, no, Chuck. Uh, I, I can tell you that the case is more than that, uh, and I can't go into the particulars, but there is more than circumstantial evidence now. So, um, again, I think so you have Clapper, seen direct evidence of collusion. Uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial uh, and uh, and
0: is very much worthy of investigation. Well, if evidence is not circumstantial, then it's direct. There's two types of evidence. There's direct and circumstantial evidence. So Adam Schiff was all over all of the Sunday shows each and every week claiming that he had direct evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin. We now know that was a lie, and yet they trot the same pencil-necked, bug-eyed, Liar, up into the House of Representatives to torture the senators with this uh, this latest effort at dislodging Donald Trump. We got to go up to a break. We'll be right back.
3: Mojo. Mojo.
0: you know i really believe that we could call for a vote right now i think the senators have heard enough after the white house attorneys uh, two hours on saturday morning to go ahead and acquit this president to dismiss these uh, these impeachment charges article two is a joke article one is unproven and the only As I said, the strongest evidence they've got of this so-called abuse of power is is Ambassador Sondland when he says absolutely that he never was told directly by the presidents to tie investigations into uh, this foreign aid and that he presumed that to be the case. So Lofgren was on one of the Sunday uh, news shows, the one on CNN, I think it's called – uh, reliable sources and she uh she let slip what this was all about and why the house failed to take the time to uh to uh, to interview witnesses and actually build a case that was worthy of presenting to the senators
3: but what do you say to those who say that's what exactly what the house democrats did by not going to court to try to force subpoenas and force witnesses.
1: We did go to court as you know. Um, but you didn't pursue it in court. You ultimately ultimately withdrew the
3: cases and we went realized to
1: the we had the evidence we were going to get uh, and that it was sufficient.
3: Uh, to prove our case. But didn't you surrender to the president stonewalling in that
1: sense? Well, I guess in that sense we did, because if we had waited for three or four years, the election would be over, Uh, the the issue would be almost
0: moot. If we had waited for three or four years, it wouldn't have taken three or four years. And the Nixon impeachment, uh, President Nixon invoked privileges, and the case was taken all the way to the Supreme Court in three short months. But you see right here it's not about impeachment. They've got uh, several ulterior motives, one of which is to, you know, uh muddy the president up so much. They most they know most voters are low information voters and all they'll take away from this is the president was impeached and, and he was smeared in the Senate. That was one of their motives, but the the real rush for the House Democrats was to get Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, off the campaign trail and in and, and locked in the Senate so that Joe Biden could have the run of the field out in, in Iowa. <laughs> and like most things the Democrats do, that backfired spectacularly as well because Bernie Sanders is now uh, pulled way ahead in the Iowa caucuses, which is troubling in and of itself that uh, you've now got a, a Marxist standard bearer leading in the Democratic primaries. But uh, the more they see of Joe Biden and the less they see of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, the more unpopular Joe Biden gets and the more popular Warren and Sanders get. And I think, actually, Biden is now polling fourth. You've got uh, Bernie is uh, number one. Pete ButtHead is uh, number two. Elizabeth Warren's number three, and then old Joe Biden, who just about at every campaign stop sticks his foot in his mouth. I think actually Joe Biden would would do better if he stayed off the campaign trail too. Let's see one more clip here. This is uh, Jonathan Turley. Um. Pointing out that the uh, the house managers failed to even attempt to make their case of obstruction. Now, that's what that, where is this clip? Come on, Jimbo. Here we go.
3: If you make a high crime and misdemeanor out of going to the courts,
2: it is an abuse of power. It's your abuse of power
0: and they have abused their power this this is just a psychodrama we're being drugged through by adam schiff adam schiff is a deeply disturbed human being i got in a a twitter argument with some guy that was telling me that adam schiff was uh, a dazzling highly impressive legislator who was uh, uh, dedicated to defending the constitution man If you are getting your reality, if you're living a reality based on Adam Schiff, that is a a recipe for madness. We're about to have to run out to a break. Stick with us. At the top of the next segment, we will announce the winner of our American Pride Roasters coffee giveaway. And we'll get into these latest revelations from John Bolton, supposedly. It's written in his book that Trump told him to withhold aid based on investigations. Stick with us. We'll be back after two messages right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network.
1: Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.
0: And you're back on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Well, drum roll, please. The winner of the free giveaway, a bag of American Pride Roasters coffee, is none other than longtime listener Matt Quails. Matt Quails, if you're listening. Go ahead and shoot me your address where you'd like this bag of America Pride Roasters coffee sent. And congratulations. If, uh, if you didn't win this week and you entered last week, uh, your name will be carried over to next week's giveaway. If you haven't entered, go ahead and shoot me an email or uh, call the event line at 772-245-0750. Or you can message me on Twitter. Send me your name and address or your name and email address and I'll enter you into next week's giveaway. I think there's <laughs> I should qualify that if there's a next week's giveaway. I think we're carrying this uh this promotion over again another week, but it's early Monday morning and I haven't checked my email address, so don't hold me to that, but uh go ahead and enter anyway and I'll let you know for sure tomorrow whether or not we're giving away another bag this week. This whole uh this whole giveaway reminded me of uh one of my favorite Christmas movies. Hey, Park, what is
3: that? Don't bother me now, sweetie. Can't see I'm busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's a major award. A major award?
2: Shucks, I wouldn't know, Dad. It looks like a lamp.
0: What is a lamp, you n- <laughs> I guess that, uh, that clip wasn't exactly on point. But uh, last night, so uh, the New York Times... Right ahead, of the, uh, the White House attorney making the case for Donald Trump came out with another one of these blockbuster bombshell revelations. And when you actually read the story, it's actually pretty thin, but they, uh, they start out by saying that President Trump told his national security advisor in August that he wanted to continue freezing $391 million in security assistance to the Ukraine until officials there helped with investigations into Democrats including the Bidens. According to an unpublished manuscript by the former advisor, they go on to cite anonymous sources that had been given draft copies of the book. So they spend the first two sentence, actually one sentence paragraph, and the second two sentence paragraph citing their story and their sources, and then they go on for the rest of about 2,000 words, never to touch it again. And this, uh, this story has all the hallmarks of the same kind of activities that the New York Times has engaged in, trying to sabotage the Trump administration. They did it during the Kavanaugh confirmation where they published Michael Avenatti's revelations about Julie Swetnick and Kavanaugh's secret gang rape uh, gang They did it uh, repeatedly during the Russia hoax. They did it with Stormy Daniel. They've been disproven again and again. That's why they've earned the reputation as fake news. So we're going to have to uh, wait uh, probably another couple of days to find out whether or not there's anything to this story. But it was strategically timed in order to try to blow up uh, the White House defense team's presentation today. I don't think it'll be successful in doing that already. People are pointing out just how uh, discredited the New York Times is on these. There's every indication that this is just another one of their um, disinformation campaigns. Trump responded to this story by saying, I never told John Bolton that the aid to Ukraine was tied to investigations into the Democrats. In fact, he never complained about his time, uh, about this at his time of a very public termination. If John Bolton said this, it was only to sell a book. And we we also have plenty of evidence of, of this happening. Uh, one of these uh, former administration employees will write a tell-all book with these major bombshells and then... When the book is actually published, we find out that it was qualified and speculated and turned out not to be nearly the bombshell as it was advertised to be. Trump goes on, with that being said, transcripts of my calls with the President Zelensky are all the proof that is needed. In addition to that fact, President Zelensky and the former minister of Ukraine, foreign minister of Ukraine, said there was no pressure and no problems. Additionally, I met with president Zelensky at the United nations. The Democrats said I never met and released the military aid to Ukraine without any conditions or investigations and far ahead of schedule. So, um, unless Bolton actually comes out with some sort of tape recording of this happening, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. I know that, um, John Bolton, you know, is a a, a war hawk that uh, resented Donald Trump resisting his uh, trying to get us into, you know, more conflicts in the Middle East. Uh, John Bolton's lawyers, uh, which is another reason to kind of doubt what's going on here, came out with a, a statement shortly after the New York Times story saying, um, it's from John Bolton's lawyers on December 30th, 2019. I submitted on behalf of ambassador Bolton, a book manuscript to the national security council's records management division for standard pre-publication review. Well, guess who the person that reviews books to make sure that they don't leak classified or, uh, executively privileged information. Well, turns out that the person that reviews this stuff is none other than Army Lieutenant Colonel Yevgeny Vindman. Yep. Twin brother of Alexander Vindman works at the National Security Council as their lead ethics lawyer and is in charge of reviewing materials by the current and former National Security Council official's or uh, for pre-publication review. Surprise! Surprise! Surprises. surprise. Surprise!
3: Surprise! Surprise!
0: <laughs> so I wonder where the New York Times might have got this story, and I wonder if this story might have been colored to pursue uh, the uh, the the war against Trump that Alexander Vindman launched when he leaked. A, a dishonest, fictitious version of President Trump's call with uh, Zelensky to the whistleblower, where he said, he told the whistleblower that Donald Trump had insisted on investigations not once, not twice, but eight separate times during that phone call. It turned out that this whistleblower complaint was bogus. It's one of the reasons that Adam Schiff refused to uh, to allow whistleblower to testify because his uh, his story couldn 't hold up to cross examination and it would have pointed out that Venman had a an agenda during the White House lawyer 's presentation yesterday. They pointed out that um, the House managers during the their their sham investigation never bothered to call Bolton mr. Schiff came here
1: and said, he's not asking you to do something he wouldn't do do for himself. And the House manager said, we're not asking you to do our jobs for us. And Mr. Schiff came up here and he said, I call Ambassador Bolton. Remember Paul Harvey? It's time for the rest of the story. He didn't call him in the House. He didn't subpoena Ambassador Bolton in the House. I have a letter here from Ambassador Bolton's lawyer. He's the same lawyer that Charlie Kupperman hired. Stated November 8th. He said, I write his counsel to Dr. Charles Kupperman and to Ambassador John Bolton in response to one, to the letter of November 5th from Chairman Schiff, Chairman Engel, and Acting Chair Maloney, the House Chairs, withdrawing the subpoena to Dr. Kupperman. I mentioned that earlier. And to recent published reports announcing that the House Chairs do not intend to issue a subpoena to Ambassador Bolton. He goes on and said, we, says, We are dismayed that the committees have chosen not to join us in seeking resolution from the judicial branch of this momentous constitutional question. And he ends the letter by saying, If the House chooses not to pursue through subpoena the testimony of Dr. Kupperman and
0: Ambassador Bolton, let the record be clear, that is the House's decision. Well, that was the House's decision, and now they're turning, spinning right around on their heel and saying, the Senate, we're going to dump this in your lap. You can pursue these, um, these court cases deciding on executive privilege. And now they've got the New York Times out there with these latest bombshell revelations that I – contend will turn out when it's all said and done to be uh, more like uh, a cap gun than a bombshell. But Vendman was upset. So Vindman went to uh, Eric Chiaramella and said, we've got to do something. Uh, the president is, I mean, they, they, he, they basically collaborated Vindman and Chiaramella to gin up a narrative that, hasn't held up the evidence, and was false on its face. Now, I need to say something here. If the president was asking about Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine, that would be not only allowable, but it would actually be the president's responsibility. Just because Joe Biden was a member of a previous administration and running for president now doesn't give him... him any sort of immunity, and the United States and Ukraine actually have a an agreement to cooperate with each other on getting in uh, to the bottom of corruption. And there is no doubt whatsoever that what Hunter Biden was engaged in in the Ukraine was corruption. You know who sets foreign policy in this country? it's not Alexander Vindman. It's not the Set national security council. It's not the interagency. It's the president of the United States. Alexander Vindman said that he disagreed with the president. And that's why he, he ran to everybody except for his direct boss in the chain of command and told them about this episode. Here's Jay Sekulow on Saturday morning. Summation on Thursday
3: night, Senator Schiff complained that the president chose not to go with the determination of his intelligence agencies regarding foreign interference and instead decided that he would listen to people that he trusted and he would inquire about the Ukraine issue himself. Mr. Schiff did not like the fact that the president did not apparently blindly trust some of the advice he was being given by the intelligence agencies. First of all, let me be clear, disagreeing with the president's decision on foreign policy matters or whose advice he's going to take is in no way
0: an impeachable offense. In no way, impeachable offense. It's the president doing his job. As a matter of fact, this president had every reason to distrust the intelligence and national security establishment in Washington DC they had spent the previous 2 years trying to engineer a coup against Donald Trump and it, it was just last week revealed that they abused their spy authority to uh to spy on the Trump campaign not only with wiretaps and uh, um physical surveillance but they actually sent undercover operatives end of the trump campaign with pretexts pretextual surveillance to try to entrap the trump campaign we got to run out to a break stick with us we'll be right back
4: Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Go.
0: Matt Quails. Matt Quells, if you're listening, shoot me your uh, mailing address where you want this uh, bag of free America Pride Roasters coffee scent. And if you'd like to participate in this week's giveaway... Shoot me your email and um name and I will enter you into the drawing for next week. So uh are you are you subscribing to American News uh um One America News? It's five dollars on Roku, I guess you can get it on Fire and Apple TV and the rest. But it is the best five dollars you will ever spend. It's uh it's a a network based out in San Diego, it's sort of an upstart. I guess you'd even consider them an alternate news organization and they're breaking the stories that the other networks including fox are avoiding and uh and not really hammering if you want to believe fox news is is giving you the straight scoop um you can believe that i i don't happen to agree i think in the evening starting with tucker and and hannity and then laura you will actually get some uh, some good coverage. But they don't do investigative reporting. They don't send reporters out in the field. They basically comment on the record that has been created by the rest of the news media, including Fox News. And I believe that uh, the, the Murdoch boys, James and Lynch on Murdoch, are not in any way right-wing or conservative or believe in America First Agenda. If you watch their news coverage It's very much in line with the other reporting. But One American News, on the other hand, they're actually breaking stories. They're sending reporters in the field to cover the stories that others won't. And their latest um, story that they are covering is a documentary that's being put together by former campaign worker Michael Caputo, who was one of the uh, campaign workers that was spied on several different efforts to try to entrap him during the 2016 campaign he's put together a documentary about what went on over in the ukraine and one american news is covering it and here is a sort of a teaser from one american news reporter jack Pasovic, former navy intelligence officer about caputo's report
2: We're very excited to welcome here to One American News, Michael Caputo, former Trump advisor, who has just filmed a new documentary that's going to be played soon here on One American
3: News called The Ukraine Hopes. Michael, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thanks for having me, Jack. So tell me, when did you film this thing and when you were filming it, did you know that Ukraine was about to become the biggest story of the world in geopolitics? I had no idea. So I know Ukraine very well. And I knew that the Bidens were up to something there. And I knew that the former president, Poroshenko, had been involved in interfering in the American elections. I thought that I could prove it. So I flew over there in August. And while I was there, the day I arrived, the whistleblower filed his complaint. Clearly the White House, the House Intelligence Committee, everybody was burning up the phone lines. I lost a couple of interviews. They just ghosted me. Some of the people, like Poroshenko, the former president, who was, to my mind, very clearly uh, directing interference in our 2016 election, ghosted me. And I didn't get it. I went back to the United States to write the film and edit the film. I was home about three, four days when everything blew up in September. So tell us about your documentary and what you uncovered while you were there, because so many people have heard the name Hunter Biden, so many people have heard Burisma, but is that really the start of the story? It isn't. In fact, the America's Ukraine problem didn't start with a phone call between two presidents. It started many, many years before with the fall of the Soviet Union, and it ended up with mass murder on the central square of Kiev, Ukraine in 2014, February 2014 100 people on the central square of the largest nation in Europe by landmass, 100 people were killed in 20 minutes by snipers and 6 years later, we still don't know who did that, there have been no trials, there's been plenty of investigations and there's theories all around but right in the middle of all those theories is the United States government and the European Union and Russia, I believe that the United The United States government, especially through the State Department and uh, the United States Embassy in Kiev, was pushing it toward the precipice. That ended up in 130 people murdered, 100 in 20 minutes. And the United States, afterward, just we washed our hands of it and we walked away. But what that gave birth to was a new administration in Ukraine, the Petro Poroshenko administration. He was elected president and was clamoring for support from uh, uh, Obama and Joe Biden, who the president. Made Viceroy of Ukraine. In comes Joe Biden, and 45 days later, his son is on the board of one of the most corrupt companies in all of Ukraine, making millions of dollars. I thought that stunk up the high of heaven. It was corrupt from the beginning, and my conclusion from the film and the book. Uh, is that Hunter Biden and his partner in business, Devin Archer, both serving on the Burisma board, violated federal U.S. law by not registering with uh, with the, uh, the FARA law, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which Paul Manafort is serving prison time on right now. This whole impeachment isn't just about protecting Joe Biden. It's about keeping Hunter Biden out of prison, because what he did by lobbying his father, which I think I can prove, and by lobbying uh, Secretary of State John Kerry with his partner Devin Archer, very closely connected to the Kerry family. He lobbied to protect the, the, the oligarch uh, and, who owned Burisma, and he did it without registering.
0: Both of them were in clear violation of federal law. Uh, clear violation of federal law indeed, but guess what? It'll never be prosecuted. They don't prosecute Democrats for violating Foreign Agents Registration Act. I said when this whole prosecution of Paul Manafort began that you could walk down K Street, where all the lobby um, firms in Washington, D.C. are located, and you could hand out pharaoh violations like candy. That law hadn't been uh, enforced for decades prior to the prosecution of Paul Manafort. And several other members of, of the, or several other people that were caught up in the Russia hoax were also in violation of Fara. Guess what happened? The Southern District of New York, that hotbed of Clinton cronies, reached out down into Washington, D.C., and took over jurisdiction of those Farah investigations for themselves. Now, they had no reason or justification for taking over those cases. But they uh, they took over the case of uh, uh, Tony Podesta, John Podesta's, and Hillary Clinton campaign manager John Podesta's case. They took it up into the Southern District of New York, along with several others. And after about a six-month investigation where nobody was paying attention on a Friday night, they announced that they were dropping the case, that they weren't going to pursue fair violations against anybody associated with the Clintons. That's not how this works. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Michael Kabuto's story, and, uh, and I encourage you to uh, subscribe to One American News Network and, and get an actual unvarnished uh, reporting. You know, Joe Rogan, I, I'm a big follower of uh, UFC, mixed martial arts, and Joe Rogan has been a long-time um, play-by-play guy and commentator on that, and he's got the most popular broad, uh, podcast in the world. I'm hot on his heels, but he's still a little bit ahead of me. And uh, last week, Joe Rogan, who I thought was a pretty decent fellow and uh, and still very interesting to listen to, came out and endorsed, or at least said, that he was voting for Bernie Sanders.
4: Who are you going to vote for in primary? I think...
2: I think I'll probably vote for Bernie. Him as a human being, when I was hanging out with him, and I, I believe in him. I like him. I like him a lot. What Bernie stands for is a guy who. Well, look, you could you could dig up dirt on every single human being that's ever existed if you catch them in their worst moment, and you magnify those moments, and you cut out everything else, and you only display display those worst moments. That said. You can't find very many with Bernie. He's been insanely consistent his entire life. He's basically been saying the same thing, been for the same thing his whole life. And that, in and of itself, is a very powerful structure
0: to operate from. Man, yeah, it's very powerful, I guess. I was really disappointed when Joe Rogan came out and said that. Because Bernie Sanders has been uh, incredibly consistent Consistent when he uh, honeymooned in the Soviet Union and was caught on a videotape uh, praising the Soviet communist system. He's been incredibly consistent in supporting the communist dictator in Cuba and Venezuela and, uh, and the Sandinistas in El Salvador. He is uh, he has been consistently in support of communist regimes. And right now, he's got uh, two paid campaign staffers that are dyed-in-the-wool communists, not just communists, but they're communists that are advocating for violent revolution to bring Bernie Sanders' uh, ideology to fruition. One of them actually said that uh, he thought it'd be a good idea if Bernie Sanders suspended Congress and just governed with the help of his cabinet. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's revolution, all right. And he says, uh, you know, he's ready to take up arms and kill people in the streets and wants to put anybody that uh, resists the revolution up against the wall. Bernie Sanders has been consistent, all right. You know, he's uh, he's right now being endorsed by the Communist Party USA and... uh, if you go online and look at um, their website, they have a long um, history written on there about their love for Bernie Sanders, who is now leading in the the uh, Democrat primaries in Iowa. He was on with Nora O'Donnell recently, and she asked him, well, how are you going to pay for all of these freebies that you're promising?
4: You are a self-proclaimed socialist.
2: Democratic. Put in there, please.
4: Thank you. Your agenda has promised free health care for everybody, free college tuition, and to pay off people's college loans. The price tag for that is estimated to be $60 trillion over 10 years, correct?
1: Well, look, we have political opponents. You don't, who know, come up. You don't know how much your plan costs? You don't know. Nobody knows. This is impossible. You're going to that.
4: propose a plan to the American people
1: and you're not going to tell them how much it costs? Of course I will. You know exactly what health care
2: costs will be, one minute, in the next.
0: <laughs> I have no idea what it costs, but that, however much it costs, that's what we will tax people. That's exactly, that is exactly how you end up with situations like Venezuela where they taxed people out of business they seized businesses they tried to run them out of the government and pretty soon the most prosperous nation in South America became an utter and complete basket case based on the same programs and the same policies that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are now pushing in the United States and despite the fact he's got violent communists on his staff nobody's Nobody's uh, exposing it except for in the alternative media. Joe Rogan must be either uh, misinformed or a real disappointment. That takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dodds. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five Zero Radio Network.
4: Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit DeltaFaucet.com slash Voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.